I feel like if we're going to talk about Fosse, that we should also somehow be doing drugs, but I, <laughs> I wasn't quite prepared enough for that. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. We are kicking it back um, very close to New Year's Eve now, but I don't know mm-hmm. when you're going to listen to this. It's yeah, prob- probably within a couple weeks. This should go up in January. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's Hello, cold outside. Listeners. We have some red wine. It's just Melissa and I mm-hmm. chilling out after being slothful for the last week. and <laughs> Yeah, and uh, dealing with Christmas and yeah. all the stresses involved with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I well, deserve this wine. I deserve this podcast. So do I. Mm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, what we are drinking is, oh goodness, can I can I pronounce? It's very Baroque looking. Esprit Barville? Bar- Tw- sure. Sure. Uh, 2012, Côtes du Rhône. It is a French wine. Uh, let's see, it's, uh, doesn't say a whole lot except that it contains sulfites. <laughs> um, I'm sure it does. Yes, it's red. It is red. It's quite smooth. I, I actually like it. Yeah, it's, um, it's not as full-bodied as I expected it might be, but it's, um, you know, kind of nice and refreshing, really. Yeah, actually, yeah. it's, it's lighter, which is actually kind of perfect for my mood tonight. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really need like a big wine. I just want something that's just gonna chill out with me a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 quite dry. There's it's fruity, fruity. Yeah. It, mm, it's fruity. Yes. It is. And I think it will will uh, delight a little bit more as it uh, ages in the glass a little bit. Yeah, more. yeah. When it breathes, it will open up. It'll open up a little bit. Yeah. All right. It, so yes. our topic for this first podcast tonight is. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's so happy about this. Bob Fosse. Bob Fosse. Jesse. <laughs> I need to get a hat and a cane and some gloves right now. Well, we can just imagine that they're there. And through the magic of radio, <laughs> the listeners can imagine us with hats and canes. And I shall tip my hat forward over my eyes and, and, we'll, and shrug in a funky way. We'll, and, yeah, we'll roll our shoulders and, sh- and, and like shrunk, shrug our shoulders up and we'll knock our knees in and we'll tiptoe around and go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we wanted to talk about Bob Fosse. And I, I don't quite know how this is going to go, but we're going to talk about him. That's for sure. Yes. Wendy, you will have to train me in the ways of Bob Fosse. All I right. do I do know a bit about Bob Fosse, but I'm not the expert, the fan that you are, the I, full red-blooded fan. The the <laughs> true to the roots of the word fanatic. Yes. Fan. That is me. Mm. Mm. Okay, here's here's what I love about Bob Fosse. Okay. Um, for, first, let's back up. Who is Bob Fosse? Oh, BT Dubs. 
Robert Fosse. <laughs> Bob Fosse is one of the great American choreographers, and he's best known for his dance style, but he was also a very accomplished director mm-hmm. and film director. And he burst onto the scene in the 50s choreographically. Actually, what was interesting is he burst onto the scene in film. He got noticed in a in a movie. And because of that movie, the Broadway producers were knocking at his door and he actually didn't want to leave Hollywood. And, hmm. and he was like, nah, I don't know. I don't know. And then he and he finally did. And of course, he's best known for his stage work, but he won Best Picture for Cabaret over The Godfather. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is not a man of mean talent at all. <laughs> he was quite visionary and very very deliberate in his visual style. And even if it wasn't dance, even just the way he used a camera, he knew exactly what he was doing. And it's so great. Ah. (laughs) Um, Let's see. He was married to Gwen Verdon. That was, uh, he had, he was a serial monogamist. Yeah. Um, He was married three times and he actually was separated from Gwen and was with Anne Reinking for many years, but he and Gwen never actually divorced. And it was this weird sort of trio where everybody sort of understood what was going on. It was Mm -hmm. very 70s. Very, very 70s. Very 70s. Um, Although he didn't die until 80... mm, 80 something. 83? Yeah. I forget. I wrote it down somewhere, but it doesn't matter. He didn't die until the 80s. So that in a nutshell is Bob Fosse, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's this man. He was... If you see all that jazz, you're watching his life. Right. All That Jazz is a movie I saw earlier this year for the first time. And wow, is that a bizarre movie. I know. (laughs) Because you've got this this biopic that is being directed by the man it's kind of about. But it's not a biopic, but it is is. a very thinly veiled biopic. It's a very thinly veiled biopic with, with Roy Scheider playing Bob Fosse. Under a different name, and and all of these characters being played sometimes by the actual people they were kind of based on. Yeah, and Ryan King is in the movie yeah. as his girlfriend, yeah. which she was. And the fascinating thing is, you know, even though it's being directed by Bob Fosse, it's not a very flattering picture of the man. Oh no, <laughs> he there there is some deep self loathing going on in this movie. The work of Bob Fosse is fascinating because you can watch the arc of it from the fifties through to his death in the eighties, and see how it gets darker. And yet, the darkness was all always there, mm-hmm. but it just it just he kept paring it away and paring it away. That this was a man who never trusted himself, Mm -hmm. ever. His whole dance style is famously based on all of his his insecurities. He didn't like that he wasn't classically trained in ballet. Mm -hmm. He was very self-conscious about the fact that he did not have balletic lines. And so instead of having your classic turn out from the hips where the feet go out, he turned everything in, in sort of a reaction to it. Well, I can't be turned out. Fine. Everything goes in. He turned his toes and his knees in. That was Mm -hmm. part of his dance style. He was self-conscious about going bald. Fine. Everybody wear hats. (laughs) He thought his hands were weird looking. Gloves. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, He was also, you know, really influenced by the choreographers who came before. So hats and canes and Fred Astaire, all of that was a huge influence as well. So and you have to remember, he he started in burlesque and vaudeville. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, he, at the age of 13, he was touring nightclubs with his dance partner late into the night, unsupervised. Let's really think about that, because there's a really good point about an article that we'll link to in the show notes that I read today that was brought up some really good points that I'm like, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah. So here's this 13-year-old boy, and he's an, he's a brilliant dancer. He's getting gigs as a dancer, but he's playing burlesque calls late at night, unsupervised. <laughs> unsupervised. So he had... And that showed up in one of the movies. Yeah, that's in all that jazz. That's in all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, do you want to know who Fosse is? Watch all that jazz. Yeah, pretty much. That is Fosse. That is his life. That is his style. He was, he never directed without humor because there was a comparison I read today that um, like Aronofsky's visual style is actually quite similar mm. to Fosse's. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but the, the rebuttal in this interview was, yes, but Aronofsky lacks humor and Fosse yes. was never humorless. He always, there was always a dry wit that kind of ran under everything that he did, even just when he choreographed a piece. He did not take anything too seriously because he believed that everything was bullshit. <laughs> I mean, he, it's, mm-hmm. I, it's great. So let's go back and let's start. He started in, so his early beginnings were in burlesque and vaudeville. Well, he eventually made his way out to Hollywood and started getting cast in movies his big break was in Kiss Me Kate. Ah, okay. With, with Howard Keel. Okay. Catherine Grayson, Howard Keel of the long legs. <laughs> as we, as regular listeners will know, <laughs> Howard Keel. If we had a shrine here at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome, Howard Keel's legs would be in it. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> if they would fit. Oh, and in, and in Kiss Me Kate, he is wearing these tights that have vertical stripes, so his legs are just long and <laughs> highlighted and he struts around and he's just hi yeah chris jones talks about linda carter as wonder woman sort of catapulting him into puberty yeah howard keel's legs yep what yep. oh my i don't know what to do with you but i, I want to do things with you i don't huh. <laughs> so anyway so kiss me kate which is a delightful movie bt dubs uh it's uh, uh, you know, it's based on The Taming of the Shrew, so all of the sexual politics that are problematic come from the fact that you're already dealing with that because of Shakespeare. Anyway, so you got Howard Keel as the lead, and you have these three suitors chasing Anne Miller. Tommy Rawl is the Yay. second love. Tommy Rawl is amazing. He's a brilliant dancer. The choreographer for Kiss Me Kate was Hermes Pan. We'll go into that in a little bit. And there are three suitors chasing after Anne Miller. Mm-hmm. And the three suitors are Bobby Van, okay, Bob Fosse, mm-hmm. and Tommy Rawl. And what you may not realize, because everybody knows Bobby Van more as a comedian, he was a great dancer. <laughs> so you have these three dancers, amazing dancers, and Ann Miller. And the dance numbers are, um, because it's Hermes Pan staging, it's brilliant stuff. Well, while they were re- in rehearsals for Kiss Me Kate, Hermes Pan came upon Bob Fosse practicing working up stuff with his partner in the movie who is carol haney who was actually one of bob fozzy's um assistants muses for uh for a number of years he worked with carol haney a lot she was in the pajama game with him mm-hmm. um anyway she's a brilliant dancer too so he and carol haney were sort of screwing around working on stuff on their own and hermes pan saw it mm-hmm. and was like i love it i want you to choreograph 
you're going to have a, a small duet in the middle of this larger number. All of the suitors will get a small duet with a girl in this larger number. I want you to choreograph your own piece. And the larger number was called From This Moment On. Mm -hmm. And when you watch the movie... The choreography is great. And then something happens <laughs> and your jaw hits the floor. Just what the F was. Th <laughs> what did I just see? Bob Fosse comes screaming out of nowhere. And this dance happens that you're just. <gasps> what? That was. I don't even know what happened. That was amazing. <laughs> the style is so different. It's like nothing that had been seen before. And it literally is maybe a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. two minutes and it was that two minutes that had broadway producers going you 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 who did that you mm -hmm. that was you you come to broadway we love you that was what <laughs> i don't what was that that was amazing come to broadway come to broadway <laughs> he was in my sister eileen with tommy roll that's the famous mm -hmm. that's the great dance that I, you I, watched I, I like tommy roll i am sold on tommy roll mm -hmm. tom yeah because he was in seven brides for seven brothers mm -hmm. which i showed you which is you know yeah, which <laughs> is fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that well, happened. That was a thing. That was a thing. So other movies that he ended up doing. So it was sort of interesting. So after Kiss Me Kate, he went to Broadway. He did He did Kiss Me Kate. He, he did a lot of movies like really quickly in one short time period. He did My Sister Eileen. And then he was getting frustrated at being typecast. So he went to Broadway and he started pretty much choreographing right away. Mm -hmm. um, first show that he choreographed, just choreographed, was The Pajama Game. Okay. Which has the famous number Steam Heat in mm -hmm. it. That is his style, just like, what? Hello, <laughs> Bob Fosse. Um, and then he did, and Carol Haney was a star in that show. And uh, Pajama Game was actually the uh, where Shirley MacLaine was discovered. Oh, I didn't know that. She was Carol Haney's understudy in huh. the role that does Steam Heat, which okay. is a secondary role, but it's a huge dance role. And she had been cast as an understudy. She was in the chorus. And she famously tells the story of, I'm sorry, I'm serious. I could just talk Bob Fosse all night. Earlier today, you know, we, we were going, what are we going to talk about? And I, I was the one who suggested Fosse because I figured this is one where I don't have to work much. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. It's I, we'll just wind Wendy up and let her go. <laughs> um, so what actually happened, Carol Haney was, because Carol Haney was from that old school dance tradition, she was a workhorse. She would dance even with a broken ankle, right? That type mm -hmm. of dancer. Well, so Shirley MacLaine got the, got the job as her understudy and it had been months and she was actually taking the train to the theater for a show and on the train and she was despondent she's like you know what i think i just need i i gotta quit i gotta get cast in a different show this is never gonna i am never gonna go on for her she mm -hmm. is never not going to go on right she's she's fucking war horse she's never not gonna go on and so on the train to the theater that day where she was planning to say that's it i quit carol haney actually got injured oh wow like and injured enough that she was gonna be out mm-hmm or I don't remember. It might have been only just been for the night. But she got in. I remember that it was an injury, not an illness. And so Shirley MacLaine walks in the door at her usual time. They've been trying to reach her mm -hmm. to say, you need to go on tonight. And we need you to come so we can do some br quick brush up rehearsals. Mm -hmm. She walks in the door despondent and like, I'm just going to quit. And they're like, where the hell have you been? We need you to go on. Get over there. Get your costumes fitting. And we need to brush up this number. And oh, my God. And she went on that night. Mm -hmm. And... 
there were two Hollywood producers in the audience just by chance. It's not like this was opening night or anything. Just by chance, they were in the show that night. And Shirley MacLaine went on and they loved her. Nice. And they went, who's that? <laughs> we like her. <laughs> Do you, would you like a career in movies, young lady? <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> so Bob Fosse choreographed Pajama Game, where Shirley MacLaine was discovered. Because of that, he got the gig choreographing Damn Yankees. This is important because that is where he met Gwen Verdon, who mm-hmm. was his next and final wife. He'd had two wives before this. Um, that's his next and final wife. He met Gwen Verdon. And, of course, they collaborated hugely together. Um, they did a show called Redhead, which it won awards, but it's really forgettable. And then Sweet Charity, famously, and then most famously of all, Chicago. <laughs> Gwen Verdon originated the role of Roxy Hart in Chicago. And so, and then he, the sort of the last big show he did was Pippin. Um, he did other things in there and he had, but they were misses in terms of shows that still live in the public consciousness. Those are sort of the big theatrical shows. So what happened is, so he's making his name on Broadway. Well, he still hasn't lost his connections with Hollywood and so when they decide to do a film adaptation of Sweet Charity, mm-hmm. they offer him the job. He was only a choreographer for Damn Yankees, but he finally got to direct and choreograph going past that. So he directed and choreographed Sweet Charity and Chicago. So now he's fully in control of the whole creative process, which is, of course, what a man like that wants. Right. I want all of you to do what I say. <laughs> I want all, all of you will now do what I say. I don't <laughs> Dance to, for me, my puppets. I, I, I don't want to be mean about it. But I'm in charge. Um, <laughs> so he he got to direct Sweet Charity, the film version, which stars Shirley MacLaine in the Gwen Verdon role because Gwen okay. Verdon was getting a little long in the tooth to pull that one off. But it's also got Cheetah Rivera. <laughs> Ooh, I know. She's so fabulous. Yes. Um, it's a bit of a miss. You can tell that Fo- you can tell what Fosse's vision is, but there are points where it's awkward Mm -hmm. right um interestingly enough i think it's awkward because he was going for this undercurrent of despair and ennui Mm -hmm. and but it ends up just feeling jarring right so what you eventually got in cabaret you can see the the seeds of in sweet charity like there's a scene where she's singing the big number i'm i'm a brass band um because she just this man that she likes has declared his love for her even though she's a taxi dancer (laughs) <laughs> which is little more than a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And so she, uh, she's just so excited. She's she just like singing like, yay, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And they filmed it on location in Manhattan, which is super great. But there's this moment at the end where she goes marching, literally a brass band shows up. <laughs> and she goes marching down the street with this brass band following her. But there's nobody around. It's totally empty. And it feels really empty and awkward like uh that doesn't really work except i think that's exactly what he wanted he his finesse wasn't quite there yet okay to polish that down of no that is what i wanted i wanted you to feel like yes she's super happy right now but it's ultimately empty but this is this is not actually going to end well Mm -hmm. by the time he gets to cabaret he's much more adept at giving you that as an undercurrent and as a subtext without getting too ham-fisted about it. So Sweet Charity, and then he directed, and then right at the next film he directed after that was Cabaret, right? Wow. Yeah. 
And that's a hell of a thing. And that is a hell of a thing uh, with Liza Minnelli. That Mm -hmm. is uh, the year that he pulled the hat trick of getting winning a Tony Award, an Emmy Award, and an Oscar all in the same year, all for directing, which has never been done since. Mm -hmm. Other people have won all three in the same year, but not for doing the same thing. Okay. Not for being a director, like maybe a producer on one or a director or whatever. Right. Um, he, di- what was he directing at that time? It might have been Pippin. It might have been Pippin on Broadway. I forget what he won the Tony for. He won the Oscar for Cabaret and he won the Emmy for Liza with a Z. <laughs> Which so one? so a twofer on on Liza Minnelli. A twofer too. on Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I have a feeling he would have used her a lot more if she hadn't been as volatile as she was. <laughs> if she hadn't been, you know, so Liza Minnelli. Yeah. About everything. Um, so then I have never seen the movie, and I need to. Then he directed Lenny. Oh, you've never seen Lenny? I've never seen Lenny, and Lenny's I know it's fascinating. I know, especially because. When you watch all that jazz, if you know about Fosse's life, you're like, I know exactly yeah. what that's referencing. Yeah, Lenny is the biopic of Lenny Bruce, starring Dustin Hoffman yeah. as Lenny Bruce. And it's the, it's a wonderfully 70s movie. It's very 70s. Very, I'm quite sure of that. <laughs> but uh, uh, Hoffman's amazing to watch in it. And it's um, now that I've seen some more of Fosse's work, since seeing Lenny for the first time, it, it's very interesting looking back on it and going, yeah, that is very Fosse. I, I think I think Bob Fosse saw a lot of Lenny Bruce in himself. Yeah. Well, okay, I so mean, then you have, yeah. you have all that jazz and you have Star 80. Mm-hmm. So to further your point, I'm skipping ahead from the, the chronology of his films. So the thing about Bob Fosse... Um, and you can see it in his physical. His physicality is known in his dancing as very sexual, like hypersexual. Mm-hmm. But it's also off-putting. Mm-hmm. It's angular and it's strange. And while it's very sexual, it's not the kind of sexual that makes you kind of get excited. It's the kind of sexual that puts you off a little bit. That's a little yeah. bit frightening. Well, I think I think the perfect illustration of that is that that bizarro naked dance number in all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, what, take, what, uh, take off with us. Take off with us. And it, it's kind of under this weird airline commercial sort of subtext. <laughs> but all the dancers are, are naked. And it's a super sexual thing, but it's kind of, it's like, Oh, that doesn't really put me in the mood for anything. No, it's, and it's yeah. and the whole number just reeks of despair. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very dark. It's very, very that, dark. It's yeah. beautiful. It's gorgeous choreography. It's phenomenal. His his use of the body is fascinating, but so he's known for this hypersexuality that at the same time is very off-putting so that's one key strain and that's his sort of his dance style that eventually evolved his earlier stuff is a is you can tell it's still coming out of that sort of astaire gene kelly mm-hmm. michael kidd sort of school he was very influenced by astaire and like uh jerome robbins and oh who is the other one i'm blanking on his name uh jack cole oh everybody everybody was influenced by jack cole <laughs> so that's that's just that's just like, well, duh, of course he was influenced by Jack Cole. Everybody was influenced by Jack Cole. Um, 
so he's very influenced by that. And then he, as his style emerged, it became this very slinky, disjointed thing. If you want an encapsulation of his style perfectly, and also to see just how influential he was, watch his number in The Little Prince, mm-hmm. where he is playing the snake. He's in it just as the snake, and he does this little dance number with his his bowler, and he's all in black with his pants a little short, and just the way he moves, and I think he's got white gloves on. And when you watch that, if you're a child of the 80s, you're like, it's fucking Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes. Michael Jackson yeah. was totally in love with Fosse's style, and once you see that, you're like, Michael Jackson totally ripped off Fosse. <laughs> stance to the side with the knees kind of bent and the hand is like Fosse does that in this number you're like holy shit suddenly all the jigsaw puzzle pieces fit together in my brain and my memory of the 80s just warped and changed so one piece is this this physicality that he had but the other piece is that Fosse really believed everything was bullshit like in 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 a very absurdist theater sort of way Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately with a dash of Ionesco, which is where his humor came from, but with a much larger bent towards Beckett. Okay? <laughs> he, he had at his core just this despair, this, I mean, his love affair with death that you see just plastered all over all that jazz. That was kind of throughout everything. You see it in Chicago with give him the old razzle dazzle, right? Mm-hmm. It's all just bullshit. And so... He loved to make movies that were about style over substance. You really see that in all that jazz. It really just reflects, oh, it's everything is style, but there's no depth. And he even got criticized for that. But that was kind of his point, even before anybody else was really making that point, that we're all just living in this crass commercialism and we're accepting what we're told because it looks pretty. Yeah. He was there before everybody else. He was, ah, he was amazing. <laughs> he was so amazing. And when you watch how he cut together all that jazz, it looks like a modern movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks like a movie you'd see now. The way, there's this one sequence where they're doing the table read through this play that he's going to have to put together. Mm-hmm. And people, and the way he quick cuts and he, he gives different visuals with somebody else's dialogue. And so the script is being read and people are laughing. They're saying, oh, this is delightful. And there's all this laughter. And yet it's doing these quick cuts to his face of just disgust and despair of this is a fucking turd. (laughs) What the hell am I going to do with this? And then quick cut over to um, what would be the Gwen Verdon character, thinly veiled. And she's delivering her lines and she's sort of playing up to the producers, but looking at him and telling he's not happy and she can tell he's not happy. And then, you know, going to the, <laughs> to the very gay, very <laughs> insipid composer and just <laughs> all these quick cuts that are happening. And you watch that. It is something you would see now mm-hmm. in the two thousands. The style of his movies is, is groundbreaking. And it's, it's been copied the way he cut and his visual sense of it all. So, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of the point. Yeah. I need to take some more wine. <laughs> His last film was Star 80, which was about Dorothy Stratton, the Playboy mm-hmm. playmate, which had um, Eric Roberts in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that was so I've, long ago. I've seen this that. film. It's It was panned. It doesn't live up to his later work, but it's such a Fosse movie when you, you can, his, mm. his visual senses. 
all over it. And of course, it would be a story that would very much appeal to him. Right. About... Well, it's the... Gloss. Gloss gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. Gloss gone wrong. Gloss gone horribly, horribly wrong. That poor woman. Because even his choreography eventually became this thing of, you wanted to watch beautiful beautiful bodies move and they did and they moved in a way that was fascinating and beautiful and yet a little bit wrong (laughs) (laughs) okay so he won eight tonys he was nominated for four oscars he won one he beat he beat out the godfather he was groundbreaking pippin was the first broadway musical to ever have a tv commercial which if you've ever seen it it, it would have gotten me, my butt in the seat because it's his choreography all over the place. You're just like, how do you move like that? What is happening? I want to see this. Um, and let's see. Other notable things. I'll do a quick trivia thing. Uh, he is un- an uncredited choreographer on White Christmas. I found that out today. No, really? Yeah. I'm that's, like, that's that odd. actually makes sense. Okay. Because there's this, the, the choreography number. Yeah. I'm like... This is coming out of left field. What's happening here? I bet it was that number. I bet it was the choreographer number. Let's see. He is known, like we talked about, for his turned in knees, for his hunched shoulders. He had bad posture. So fine. I'll just exaggerate. Just use it. Everybody sort of caves in their chest and rolls their shoulder up, right? Um, For the Fosse amoeba, which is when you get a clump of dancers all together and they sort of scooch move oh, across like, the stage like in like, the steam heat number exactly they clump up okay um, yeah also uh big spender that's the most famous uh, sort of it yeah. also got referred to as a smotch i think <laughs> smotch he called it i think he called it a smotch here okay here's a bit of trivia i'm actually friends with a woman who was in the original cast of broad of sweet charity on broadway nice she was one of the swing dancers mm-hmm. so she actually like physically met, touched, knew Bob Fosse and worked with him. Have you stroked her to try and grab have, his essence? I've, I've hugged her. I've just been like, oh my God. So that means she also, she like shared drinks with Neil Simon because Neil Simon <laughs> came in as the script doctor on Sweet Charity. Wow. Um, so yeah, she was a she was a swing dancer. So she learned all of the original Bob Fosse choreography from Bob Fosse. <laughs> and I'm just, every once in a while when that dawns on me, I'm like, what? What? I'm like two degrees of separation from Bob Fosse. Oh my God. <laughs> so let's talk about the abuse because you see it in all that jazz. Yeah. The scene yeah, where he is being aggressively fondled by the strippers. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's really think about that because we know that that moment probably actually happened Mm -hmm. probably pretty much exactly like that that there was like his first instance of arousal with a woman was then probably fairly promptly followed by humiliation Mm -hmm. so so uh, i mean i feel like you know for people who have not seen the movie we need to describe the scene um it's it's in, a in all that jazz. It's a young, uh, young quote Bob Fosse unquote about to go on stage uh, in, in a cabaret doing his his dance act, right? Mm-hmm. And he's backstage, and all the strippers are back there teasing him. And he's a young he's a young guy, and you know you can tell he's he's like excited by this, but really not. 
like uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. And they are, you can read it one way as them being sort of having, just having a little bit of fun. But when you really think about it, they surround him. Mm -hmm. They won't let him go. Yep. It's happening out of frame, but you know they're fondling him. Yeah. They're fondling him to arousal. Yeah. And they're, you know, you can tell they're, they're, they're kind of thinking they're giving this kid a bit of fun before he goes out, but also there's kind of a mean streak in there. Yeah. And then he goes out and of course he's, you know. He's got a be- wet spot. Befouled his trousers a little bit. And, and so and, there he is on stage yeah. and he needs to perform and everybody's laughing at him because he's come in his pants. Mm-hmm. And for how thinly veiled the biography is, you know that that moment happened probably very similar to that yeah. or something very much like it. And so this um, sort of interview I read was talking about how that was abusive. And think about it. He's this 13-year-old alone in these very seedy environments mm-hmm. on his own late at night. Yeah. On the one hand, our culture would say, good for you, kid. Way to get out there and get to be with yeah. all the ladies. But on the other hand... Ah, yeah, yeah. And so when you know that and you look at how he represents sex on stage. Mm-hmm. There's something very, there's a lot of power play in the way he mm-hmm. he presents sex. And it's, yeah. and sex is not happy and fun. Yeah. It's a little frightening, enticing, but frightening. Mm-hmm. A little, I really want this. I feel like it might hurt me. Mm-hmm. Ah. You can see it in his choreography and you can see it play out in his... Um, even in his directorial stuff of mm-hmm. how he presents things, he he presents enticement at the same time as he's like, I don't think you actually want that. Mm-hmm. I also find it interesting that sexual relationships in at least the movies I've seen that he has directed um, are all very, not unusual, but not quote unquote normal. There's not the normal, happy, monogamous relationship going on. It's it it's a weird trio or they're they're past relationships that are interfering or there's this kind of you know Or she's mm-hmm. she's a taxi dancer, but he's he's yeah. rather innocent. Yeah. There there's a lot of play with power dynamics and you know, like uh, I I think the culmination of all that is cabaret because there are some really interesting. Well, and especially when you know how he changed the stage play yeah. for the movie, because yeah. he sh- he subtly shifted the the trio with um, with Minnelli and was it York? Yeah, Minnelli no. York, and then the German lover. Yeah. Um, he he subtly shifted how all that played out. Not a lot, but he tweaked it to where it was a lot stronger and to where the trio of them was a lot more incestuous and a little bit just kind of grimier. A little, little nastier. Yeah, little just nastier. a little nastier than how it plays out in the play. And so you can see that, yeah. You can see his touch there of like, no, this isn't quite what I want. I want it even worse. <laughs> I need this to be even more uncomfortable yeah. and awful. So if you watch all that jazz and you know anything about Bob Fosse's life like I do, it's fun to watch it and go, oh, that's referencing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's refer- that is clearly Gwen Verdon's character. That's Anne Reinking because it's being played by Anne Reinking. Um, <laughs> and so when you watch the show that is being produced in the movie... And like I said, during that table read, you can tell that he is just 
horrified at the banality of this script. Mm -hmm. And the number, Take Off With Us, which is this famous set piece from the movie, he takes an insipid piece of shit song. Mm -hmm. And it really is. And you even see the composer play it for him before he ever starts with it. And I was like, oh, it's delightful. It's going to be a guaranteed hit, blah, 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 blah. And it's this sort of really really cheesy Broadway at its worst sort of take off with us boop lame old rhymes are here to make everything and and you can see that he's it, just, it's like a jingle yeah Seriously. he's yeah. horrified with just what the actual fuck do I do with this mm-hmm. this is there's nothing here there's there's not a story happening this is far too treacly this is not my style why do you even want me to direct this and I'm stuck with this. Okay, so then he takes that song and he warps it in the movie mm-hmm. in, in the way that you finally see where it starts with this, you know, dee, 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 dee. And then it goes into that extended dance sequence that is very sexual and mm-hmm. uncomfortable and powerful and dark and just blow you out of, blow your, melt your face off. Just <laughs> melt your face off awesome. That's Pippin. That was his experience directing the musical Pippin, <laughs> which I have to wonder how that went over with the composers of Pippin. <laughs> and famously, Peter McNichol, I think, yeah, it was Peter McNichol was the star of Pippin and hated what Fosse did with the show. Mm-hmm. Hated because he signed up for the script that he read and then Fosse got his hands on it. And if you've never seen Pippin, you can't, there's a film, there's a filmed stage version of it starring William Cat, the greatest American hero. <laughs> Could happen to me. <laughs> yeah, no lie. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and Ben Vereen, this, this was one of, this was Ben Vereen's, one of his great roles. Oh, Ben Vereen. As the, the leading player. Mm-hmm. So he took this treacly story uh, about a, a boy man looking for meaning. And he turned it into this dark existential fable. <laughs> but there's a very famous sequence in the middle of it where there's a love ballad. And it's a beautiful love ballad. It's, it's just gorgeous. It really is. But it, all it is is this love ballad. You know, mm-hmm. my days are brighter than morning air, incense and pine and smoke bamboo. You know, it's very sweet. <laughs> and so if you know that show and you watch Take Off With Us and all that jazz, you're like, holy fuck, this is, this is Pippin. This is mm-hmm. that number. Because he took this song and it, it is, I'm in love with you. Or wait, maybe it's you. Or wait. Maybe it's you. And then it turns into an orgy. And then it turns into a drug orgy. And then he's having sex with men. And then it just goes out of control. And this number goes on for 15 fucking minutes. I've been, I did the show Pippin and this number goes on for 15 fucking minutes. And it just keeps doubling down. Because first it's like. He's like, well, maybe what I, because this, he's searching for truth, right? He's like, well, maybe I need to be a soldier. No, I don't like being a soldier. Well, maybe I need to be a politician. No, I don't like, well, maybe I just need to be in love. Maybe I'm in love with you. And that's when the song starts. And he's like, oh, I like you. And then another woman comes out and it's played a little bit for laughs. Like, oh, maybe he's just fickle. Oh, now he's doing both of them. Oh, wait, now there's more coming out. Okay, now they're encouraging him to smoke from a hookah. 
Okay. <laughs> and then the song ends and it goes into this extended dance break. And mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant Fosse choreography, of course, as he's being encouraged to smoke a pipe. And then he's being lifted up by four men and put down and... A be, uh, just a rolling cavalcade of women are rolling underneath him. So as he comes down, it's one woman, they lift him up, and another woman <laughs> rolls under, they lift him down, and lift him up, another woman. Oh. And then it's a man. Well, no, then it's a woman upside down, right? Okay. And it, and he's looking at the audience like, what just happened? And then and then it's a man, and he's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and meanwhile, there's all these couples... With doing thinly veiled fornication dance on stage. This is like watching the apple. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great dance number, but so... I, like, I imagine it's much better than the apple. Oh, it's seriously. <laughs> seriously. But, um, so, yeah. so then watching all that jazz, you're like, that's exactly what he did. He took this banal play and he said, no, no, I'm going to do this with it. And it really upset all of the people on the creative team. Mm-hmm. And yet everybody who knew him was like, this is your fucking best work. Yeah. And there's a great moment because the Gwen Verdon character comes in to watch this number because mm-hmm. she's not in it. And it ends. And of course, all the producers and the composer are sitting there, jaws dropped, horrified by the end of just, oh, what the, oh, God. That's not the show we were planning on. I don't know what to do. They were naked and they were what? (laughs) And he's like, and he's looking at them like sort of smiling like, what did you think? (laughs) Because on the one hand, Fosse could never stop being true to himself. But on the other hand, he really wanted people to like what he did. Like all artists. (laughs) Like all artists. And then he turns to the Gwen Verdon character and she looks at him and you can tell she's got simmering anger happening. She's like, I think it's your best work, you fucking son of a bitch. (laughs) And just the way she delivers that sort of just, I'm so furious at you. That was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a great moment. Yeah. If if you're into tortured artist movies, check out all that jazz. (laughs) I don't even think it's all that tortured. Well, you know, well, it kind of is. I mean... Because he really, I'm sorry, but Jessica Lange plays death in the movie and he's flirting with her. I don't think he's not, he is not tortured at all. Well, I think he, he does have certain demons that he's exercising in the movie. Oh yeah. He's got a lot of self-loathing and yet Bob Fosse was the quintessential showman. So even as he's hating himself, he can't help but smile at you and wink. Right. Like I'm kind of an asshole. Sorry. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> now, have I ever told you who he originally wanted to play Joe Gideon in all that jazz? Was it Richard Dreyfus? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's really stop to think I, about that. I want to go to that alternate universe to see the Richard Dreyfus version of all that jazz. I know. Seriously. And, and also, you know, following the Jaws pattern, Robert Shaw playing in all that jazz, just because why not go for the trifecta? But yeah. <laughs> or maybe they could switch out. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, like you like know, Batman films, right? You know, yeah. oh, we're different persons go to play Batman. In this scene, Richard Dreyfuss will be playing the role of Joe Gideon. Um, <laughs> Joe Gideon is the leading character in all that yeah. jazz. Yeah. He was fascinated by Richard Dreyfuss, his style on screen. He really oh. liked how conflicted. The 70s Dreyfuss was an amazing thing. 
It really was. Oh God, he, uh, we. And if you watch, I could, I could do all a podcast. Jazz, I could do a podcast about drugs. We should do that. Yeah. Um, and if you watch all that jazz, and you're like, how the fuck would you do a movie about a choreographer dancer? Starring Richard Dreyfus, He did it yes. with fucking Roy Scheider. Yeah, he did. Roy Scheider sings and dances in that movie. And he really can't sing and dance. He really can't, but you buy him in the role. Yeah. He is credible mm-hmm. in that role. In yeah, so I I love the idea of Richard Dreyfus in that. <laughs> I remember when I went to see Chicago in the West End with my friends David and Crystal. And there, they were. I was like, "Oh my god, I want to see Chicago! Oh, Chicago revival! I want to see it!" Um, because Anne Ryan King restaged the numbers. Oh, cool! Yeah, the, okay. the the Chicago revival that happened during the late '90s was Anne Ryan King actually even played the role of Roxy Hart. So okay. she clearly had Fosse style down pat. So she made sure that it was very much the in the f- style of Fosse, all the choreography. And we went to see it and David and Crystal were really disappointed because they were like, well, the choreography just seems so small. And I'm like, oh, you, you, don't, you don't understand. understand. <laughs> you don't understand. That was the point. <laughs> the whole point is that it's not all leaping about and huge. It's, mm-hmm. it's Yeah. It's tight. It's so tight and so controlled. <laughs> this is a man who needed to control things so much. Huh. And yet his dancing can feel so loose and slinky too. Ah, go watch all that jazz. Go watch all that jazz. I mean, Cabaret is great too, but all that jazz is the movie that is like, do you want to know who Fosse is? If you don't want to watch a whole movie, just watch the snake in the grass number from The Little Prince. Right. <laughs> Try to give you a shortcut. If you just okay. like, who's Bob Fosse? The Little Prince, Snake in the Grass. There you go. And then you're going to go like, fucking Michael Jackson, what a cheat. <laughs> you really will. So that's Bob Fosse. All right. Okay. Awesome. So briefly to end this, I kind of wanted to talk about what I find fascinating about Bob Fosse is if you look at the chronology of choreography, you can you can see it in movies. It's a lot easier than Broadway. I'm so sad. I feel like we need to film Broadway more often. Yeah. But so you can see in movies that it started very balletic, Mm -hmm. right? It started from this interesting point of ballet slash popular dance. Yeah. So you go back to like good news and it's all about the Charleston and tapping, right? Mm -hmm. So you have tapping, but then you also have with Oklahoma, this balletic influence. So there was this weird sort of dichotomy going on between, but it was all definitely flashy. Dancing in movies should be flashy. It should be flashy. And that influenced popular culture. And that led to choreographers. um, You started, you'd started with like Busby Berkeley and out of that, you had Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire, Hermes Pan was Fred Astaire's collaborator. Mm-hmm. Anything that Fred Astaire did had Hermes Pan all over it. Fred Astaire famously created all his own dances, but a lot of people, if you're sort of a first level movie geek, don't realize that, yes, Astaire choreographed all his own stuff, but Hermes Pan was his collaborator. Mm-hmm. Hermes Pan was his critic his outside voice and Hermes Pan was also the person who would who would rehearse Ginger Rogers mm-hmm. and teach her what she needed to know because Fred Astaire was busy doing the two of them were busy filming 
the way filming schedules would go, they didn't actually rehearse together. It was Her- Hermes Pan who would who would rehearse Ginger Rogers. Huh. So, and then Hermes Pan started getting his own work. So it was Hermes Pan who choreographed Kiss Me Kate. So you had that style of like Fred Astaire, and then of course Gene Kelly, very influenced by Fred Astaire, and then Michael Kidd, who's the choreographer of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Michael Kidd coming and Jerome Robbins in there too. So Jerome Robbins and Michael Kidd bringing in this sort of dance verite. We would like the movement to reflect the characters and we would like the dance to feel like it comes out of the moment, mm-hmm. right? The, what these people are doing makes sense mm-hmm. and it doesn't, they suddenly don't just break into the Charleston for no reason. Right. So you have this very athletic, big style of dance so you have all this athleticism, and if you watch early Fosse, he leaps and bounds like you saw in My Sister Eileen with Tommy Rawl. They're right. jumping and leaping, and it's fantastic. But you can see the seeds of Fosse slowly stripping that away down to smaller and smaller movement until finally Fosse becomes somebody that all he has a dancer do is stand there in an awkward position twirling their fingers. Mm-hmm. And that's the choreography. <laughs> and that's what's fascinating about him is he is clearly influenced by that super huge athletic style, but started stripping it down and stripping it down and stripping it down to where, how can I encapsulate that whole idea in just a gesture? Mm-hmm. And when you know that about Fosse and then you watch the movies he directed, you can see that he's trying to get down to what is the single most bare bones encapsulation of this emotion or this idea or this feeling. That's what I want to show you. I want to show you one pinky finger twirling while everything else is still. And it will capture your attention and it will be the perfect thing that happens. That's what I want. It's just great stuff. (laughs) I just love him so much. So, Bob Fosse, ladies and gentlemen. Woohoo! Let's all drink a toast to Bob Fosse yes. because he would have wanted us to get drunk. Although I need I need more of this. Hold yeah. on. Oh, oh, you can hear the wine say Fosse. 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 I'm going to get a little more of that. That's all right. good stuff. All right. All right. We're so, drinking to Bob. Let's drink a toast to Bob Fosse. Indeed. So, ladies so, and listeners, ladies and listeners. Ladies, ladies and, and the people who listen to our podcast. <laughs> Hello, ladies who also listen to our podcast, and gentlemen who listen to our podcast. Sure, ladies and gentlemen listen to our podcast. Uh, so that was Bob Fosse. Thank you for listening to me ramble. I'm sure that Melissa will put a much more coherent spin on it in editing. Thank oh, God. I'll do. I'll, I'll do my best. Do, oh, but, oh, that didn't sound good. <laughs> I tried. I. I I edit sober. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So do we have some listener questions? We do. Yay! We do. We do. All right. So. Okay, I'll be the questioner. I like to be the questioner. So, listener, who are you? I am Cedius Scotchbringer. <laughs> we we know Cedius. He is a fellow podcaster. He is. He, he does a Scotch podcast. He does. Yes. Hi, Cedius. Hi, Cedius. I also love Cedius Scotchbringer. What a very Norse name. Yes. I feel like that is a very Nordic name. Yes. Thor would approve. (laughs) All right, Cedius, what do you do? I write web applications to make money and host a Scotch tasting podcast to lose money. (laughs) (laughs) I also dabble in the local comedy scene and help run programming for Convergence. Bravo. Bravo. We like people who get involved. Yes. Get very involved, much so. people. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, Cedius, 
What is in your dream pleasure dome? All the scotch. Served in a massage parlor. (laughs) (laughs) Also, laser tag. And I mean the 80s at-home stuff, not this modern you-can-shoot-anywhere-I-have-to-hold-the-gun-with-both-hands nonsense. (laughs) Also... You know how at trampoline parks, there's usually an area where you run and jump and land in a pit filled with foam cubes, and that's like landing on a cloud? Yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) There totally needs to be a ball pit in our pleasure dome. Yes. 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 Well, or foam cube. Foam cube pit, pit. ball pit, both. With? Side by side. Yes. With a diving board. Yes. 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 Now, don't dive there. That would be foolish. But you can jump off. You can okay. jump off and jump in. It's going to yeah. be a deep one. All right. Oh, wow. That would be. Yeah. We, we it could, might be unsafe. Who cares? We could leverage that. We could leverage that. Yeah. All right. Mm. Hey, Cedius, give us a pleasure dome recommendation. A device that allows you to replay scenes from your personal experiences that you want to change and experience that alternative reality up to your present age, complete with save points so you can branch from the other what should I do moments. Oh my God. It's like it's like the butterfly effect meets a choose your own adventure, but it's your life. Yeah. That's great. I, love I that. want that. Yeah. I want that. I want to yeah. see what my life would have been like if I had never decided to work at the Renaissance Festival. You know what? Same here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I would like that life, but I'm kind of curious to see what what the hell would have happened there. Yeah, I kind of want to see what happens. (laughs) I would not have moved to Minnesota without the Renaissance Festival. Oh, really? I didn't know that. It's true. (sighs) (sighs) So, Well, um, I am thankful you worked for Renaissance (laughs) Festival then, Wendy. Uh, oh yeah Yeah. oh Mm. good times good times a lot of sex yeah good times yeah Mm. renaissance festival filled with sex yeah that's mostly intense not intense but in tents in camping in camping tents or various buildings on the site well yeah that too possibly even during show hours hammocks while people were about. Yeah. I was young. I was in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, anyway. you have been listening to Wendy's Ode to Bob Fosse while Melissa was patient and sat nearby and said, oh, oh, yes. Uh-huh. Wow, really? Which I truly appreciate. I I love, I love that she's so supportive of my fanaticism about Mr. Bob Fosse, but we do need to correct the Kiss Me Kate failings rather soon. Yes. Also yes. Pride and Prejudice. We need to we need to seriously, God damn yeah, we it. Do. We do. We I do. almost we feel do. like we need <sighs> we need to do another weekend. Let's schedule yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That. Okay. We're so scheduled. we're closing. We're closing. We're okay, closing. Anyway. We're sorry. Closing. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Off topic. What? That just happened. Anyway, listeners, thank you for being here for another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I think we can all agree that Bob Fosse would love to be in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I think so, too. I think he would dance about and drink our wine, and it would be so much fun <laughs> in a dark and sort of twisted way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I've been Wendy. I've been Melissa. And... Uh, that's been a lot of red wine. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I would like to just hold forth forever on Bob Fosse.